this brazen costume for a cat burglar. Yeah? Who are you pretending to be? These are violent criminals. The terrorized Gotham. Bane. Born and raised in hell on earth. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given everything. Not everything. Not yet. Your wife said you were taking a cab home. My wife? Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX July 20th. Hello, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. This is Rico, or Batman. I don't know which. Oh, <laughs> I can't do that. I can't keep doing that for the whole show, sorry. But it is Treks in Sci-Fi. And you are listening to podcast number 394 for July 22nd, 2012. And as you heard in that first clip there from the new movie, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, well, and my voice, I'm going to talk a little bit about the movie. No spoilers, completely spoiler-free, nothing more than, I think, uh, a few basic impressions that I had of the movie and a few little things like that. But I know it just came out, and but I'm anxious to kind of talk a little bit about it at least. And then I can do my Batman voice for you. That sounds a little more like, I don't know, Freddy Krueger, I think, than Batman. But uh, anyway, but the main topic today uh, will be we're going to do uh, what I'm going to call a movie music grab bag show. Just maybe some things of maybe the last 10 to 15 years or so, give or take. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep the option open to throw in whatever else I kind of feel like. But a little more recent movie music, uh, things that I've enjoyed. I, I'm a big fan of uh, movie soundtracks, movie music. I think it adds a lot to the to the films. We've done various m- music shows over the, the years on Trucks and Sci-Fi. Some guest spots with Vartok, some just... Uh, you know, we've got uh, a pretty good, uh, you know, coverage and history of, of covering music on the podcast, but I think uh, it was time to do something new and, and another one. It was, uh, I, at one point, I was going to do some more Trek music, but I thought I would just do something a little more general, especially since we've had so many good movies this summer. And uh, so that's going to be the main topic. I'll talk a little bit about uh, other things and geek news and, and, and Trek and, and unusual topics and comics and comic book movies and the dark knight uh, and all a whole bunch more so anyway let's do it hello everyone and welcome to the treks in sci-fi podcast scotty beat me up fascinating Stand by to receive our transmission. Okay, well, so how's everyone been this week? I, I hope um, you've enjoyed your week. Actually, the last couple of weeks, I want to thank uh, Dave, who was our most recent guest host. Dave uh, really uh, enjoyed and you did a great job with that podcast last week on the movie from the late 90s, uh, Starship Troopers, which I feel is... Uh, it's kind of overlooked or underlooked or whatever looked you want to call it. I, I, I think they did a good job with that film. I've um, I've actually seen, I think I've seen all of the sequels, I think, to it. The, the Most of them, I think all of them were direct-to-DVD. 
pretty soon we're going to have to say direct to Blu-ray, aren't we? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure with some of the recent direct to DVD stuff if it comes out on Blu-ray at the same time too. But uh, but anyway, thanks so much, Dave, for doing that show last week. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been uh, it's kind of been busy weekends, busy summers time really in general for me. I was up last week at Michigan State uh, doing some things with my my sons up there and had some lunch and just had a nice time and a good day with them. And uh, and then I also, um, well, before we get to the dark night, I want to talk about uh, uh, a couple other things uh, that happened in, in geekdom last week. One was uh, that I saw the final episode of Eureka. I thought that we should at least make mention of that. Uh, I've always enjoyed Eureka over the, the many years it's been on. I think it only ended up being five seasons, but they they were very stretched out seasons, so it was probably on the air for, gosh, how long was it on the air for? More like eight years or something like that? Quite a while, and uh, I don't know, um, you know, they would usually show some during the summer, and then it would go away and come back with a few episodes. I've always enjoyed the characters, enjoyed the show. I thought it had kind of uh, its ups and downs. I, I think they... Uh, there were some plot things and some threads that they started in, in previous years that I wish they had uh, dealt more with and continued. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't want to sound negative at all. I, I really, really enjoyed the show, the, the series. I, I saw every episode. I watched them as pretty much they were on each week. I mean, it usually was a couple days later with uh, my TiVo. But uh, great series, a lot of fun, uh, and I'm going to miss it. Uh, but they had a good run, and I think they really did a great job with the finale. If you haven't seen that and you're a Eureka fan, you're you're in for a treat. I, I think they did a... I really enjoy it when a show gets a chance to kind of go out the way it wants to, and they knew they were going to be... This was their last season, so they had a chance to uh, to make a really cool uh, last episode. But I'll, the only thing that I didn't really care for in this season was I thought that they should have spent a little more time kind of wrapping things up rather than just all in the last episode there were there was this other plot thread going on and I don't want to give too much away but I didn't think it was all that well I I didn't think it was all that worthy of being part of the final couple of episodes I, I thought they they went into a direction that it was interesting but I I wish they had spent a little more time maybe the last couple of episodes wrapping things up I mean the last episode does a great job but it, when you see the season if you haven't yet you'll maybe know what I'm talking about again nothing super negative i i really enjoyed it quite a bit uh but just just a little bit you know i wish they had spent a little more time with some of the characters and and, and things like that but they all uh, kind of get a little spot in the last episode so that was good so that ended this week uh and because of that we're going to get our our i guess a couple of summer sci-fi series i don't know if you call them summer ones I don't, they've been on at different times during the year but Warehouse 13, which I'm a big fan of, and Alphas, which had a pretty good first season, I thought, uh, last year, uh, are both going to be back this coming Monday, just tomorrow on the Sci-Fi Channel. So uh, if you're, if you're not, if you've never watched either of these shows, please give them a shot. Uh, especially Warehouse 13, I, I feel, is just a really fun, good show, very solid show, great cast, and is is much more than people i think if you just see it on the surface might think there there's some great characters some great relationships and, and some cool episodes so uh, i urge you to try both these alphas i think is also an interesting show too 
kind of in the vein of heroes a little bit is the simplest way to put it. I mean, they're people with sort of extraordinary powers and abilities, and and they use those to, you know, sometimes help people, sometimes save themselves, and other things happen. So those will be back uh, this year, or not this just this year. Yeah, this year (laughs) they'll be back tomorrow on the Sci-Fi Channel. So, uh, And then uh, I don't know what else. uh, Well, I'm, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, yeah, The Lost Girl. Uh, I've not talked a lot about that TV show, but I've been keeping up on it, uh, the airings on the Sci-Fi Channel. They are in the second season. I, I think they've only done two seasons so far. I don't think they've gotten into a third season or filmed it yet or, or aired it, I don't think. But I'm really enjoying that show a lot. It's sort of more of a slightly more adult version of Buffy, and, and I, I hate to use the word adult because it has certain connotations that I... I prefer not to use. It's not like it's, you know, the the Playboy Channel's version of, of, of Buffy or something like that. But it's, uh, you know, they're, they're more grown-up characters, and but it's the supernatural, and the main character has uh, some supernatural abilities and kind of fights other supernatural beings a lot most of the time. And, and there's, a, again, a good supporting cast for this show. Uh, I've become a really big fan of it and enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, it... Uh, it, it is something that's fun and, and, and cool to watch for geeks, I think. And it also, it, it's one of the few fantasy-type series really on right now. Well, I call it really, that that's a, a true fantasy show. And it's moving to, I found out it's moving to Friday nights. It, it was on Monday nights, and now it after, I, I guess, Eureka. And then I watch so many things on TiVo, I have to kind of keep track of this. But it's moving to Friday nights. At least, again, these... These things, when I mention them, are usually, you know, in regards to airings in the United States. Other places, of course, you'll have to check your local listings, as they say, to find when these things will be on. But uh, Lost Girl, give it a shot also. A lot of fun, cool show. So I think I'm going to take a short break. And I think doing the Batman voice has kind of uh, made me need to more drink some more tea. And I'll come back and talk about The Dark Knight Rises. Make it so. Hi, we're the Trekmate Podcast. Join us each week for the latest Star Trek news, in-depth discussions, and some pretty cool guests. And as you will soon find out, we're a podcast that loves to play games. So join us each week for trivia and competitions galore, where you'll be able to win real prizes. Find us at trekmate.org.uk, or on iTunes, Stitcher, and where all cool podcasts are available. Program complete. Enter when ready. All right, that's better. Huh. So, The Dark Knight Rises opened um, pretty much all over the world, I guess. I although I think, I guess, in some parts of the world it was opened a, a little sooner than here in the States. Open on Friday here, July 20th, I guess, 2012. I will have to make mention very briefly, because I don't like to even, even mention and give it press, but it was very sad about what happened at that Colorado theater where I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has heard about where the guy went into a, a midnight showing, I guess, of this movie, The Dark Knight Rises, and shot up the place, killed a bunch of people. It was, you know, I, I just don't quite understand people sometimes. You know, I, I, I view it as somebody who is just looking for attention in a, in a very tragic and awful way. So that's all I'm going to say about that very, very sad event. But in my view, the, the way to sort of, uh, you know, 
deal with that was uh, I took Friday afternoon off of work, uh, even after I heard about all this, and went to see the movie. And, and you know, some people are even like, oh, you know, they're canceling shows in some places, and, uh, you know, people are afraid to go. And I, I think that's, you know, there's I'm more afraid to sometimes get in my car and drive in certain places just because, not because I'm afraid of the areas, I'm afraid of, you know, crazy people driving on the road. So go out, go see the movie. Don't don't think about that other stuff. If you want to see this, it's uh, it, it's a, a very good, very cool movie to see. And, you know, I feel we should just go on with our lives and not let, you know, some idiot control us. So there's Rico's public service announcement and speech. <laughs> now, on to the movie, on to uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Now, I've been a, a very big fan of Batman for a long time. I read the comic uh, each month when it comes out, the standard. I've read the Dark Knight comic. Uh, I've read other versions, or, or I should say not versions, but um, the main comic that I read is just this, is the basic Batman comic, which has been around for, for a long, long time. I think I really started reading that comic back, back when the first Batman movie came out or a little before that. So I've been reading it for a very long time. And when I say the first Batman movie, I mean the 19... 19- Late 80s, 1989, I believe it was, Batman movie with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. So, you know, I've read Batman comics for over 20 years easily. So I know the character. I've been a big fan also of the of the Nolan films that he started. Uh, when did it start? 2005, I think, was the first one. Uh, and I've enjoyed, uh, you know, watching Christian Bale play, uh, play Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I think he's probably the best. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Michael Keaton. I thought it was an interesting choice, but, uh, you know, I think Christian Bale brings an intensity and, a, and something to the character that Michael Keaton didn't really have. I mean, he was, he had sort of the crazy aspect of, of Batman down Michael Keaton did, cause he's basically kind of a crazy guy. He is not mentally sound. <laughs> I mean, he really isn't. And uh, to let what happened to his parents, you know, so many years ago continue to rule and control his life is kind of tragic and, and a little bit messed up. So, um, but anyway, uh, I think Christian Bale, at least physically, he he seems like a kind of guy who could become Batman. That was the part of Michael Keaton's character that was always hard to take a little bit. You, I, I never could buy him quite as being a guy who could beat up other guys if he had to, so... Um, so anyway, I've enjoyed the Nolan films a lot, and The Dark Knight Rises I enjoyed uh, quite a bit. I, I, I will say I didn't think it was, and, and people have been saying you shouldn't compare it to the previous movie, The Dark Knight, and I'm not really comparing it to that, but I was I was so, and it, this has nothing to do with the fact that Heath, Leg- Heath, Leger, Heath Ledger, sorry, who played the Joker, passed away. I try not to think that it had anything to do with that, but I, I was blown away by that movie, The Dark Knight. I thought uh, his his character when he played uh, Heath Ledger played the Joker, and just the overall, just the way the movie was all strung together with Harvey Dent and all of that aspect, just it just really worked for me that movie a lot. This movie, The Dark Knight Rises, works for me pretty well too. However, I I I, I didn't feel the the villain Bane was as compelling as I wanted him to possibly be for me at least personally. Uh, I I. I've read the Bane comics, you know, I've read when he was, you know, he appeared in the Batman comics, of course, there's a classic, uh, classic uh, series of comics where Bane was in there, but he's not, you know, he isn't, uh, I don't think psychologically, 
as interesting of a character as like the Joker. And that's not anything negative. I think that you can't have everybody be the Joker and all that. And, and, and don't any, I don't want anyone to get any, any wrong impression about that. I, you know, dislike this movie or I'm nitpicking or anything like that, but this was just my overall first impressions after I finished seeing the movie was that it just, it, the, 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 the main villain and the storyline in general, kind of, I, I had a little trouble with a few little things and I can't say too much, but, um, but again, it, it, these are just little things. Now I'm, I'm going to get to what I thought was great about the movie. I mean, it was great to see Christian Bale back. I loved the way he played Batman in this and Bruce Wayne both. Uh, I think there's a very interesting story for him in this movie. And I, I don't want, again, say too much more. But that part I loved. I loved uh, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I thought she was fantastic. I wanted to see basically... She's used in it quite a bit, but I even wanted to see more, and I would love to see uh, them do a, a whole movie uh, revolving around her as Catwoman. I think that would be great, and uh, I've been reading, you know, and I'm not one to pay much to reviews, but most people's impressions and, and critics and things like that seem to think she was a, a very good Catwoman, too, so maybe we'll get a chance at, uh, at seeing her play a, a whole uh, movie with Catwoman, so I thought she was great. Uh, I loved the regulars that were back, you know, Commissioner Gordon and all that. And uh, what I really thought was, besides uh, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays uh, the the cop, uh, his last name is Blake. I think it's John Blake. Um, he was great. He gets quite a bit of screen time, and I think he is just fantastic in the movie. I think he adds a lot of, sort of grounds the movie and has a lot of uh, just... He's, he's just really a good character and very interesting, and, and I thought he was a great addition to the, to the story. And, you know, again, Gary Oldman was good. Tom Hardy as Bane was great. I, I do still feel that they should have cleared up his voice a little bit in a few places a little bit better. But, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. If you enjoyed the other uh, couple Batman movies that were done by Christopher Nolan, uh, this one is right up there. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Um, it's a pretty long movie. It's like two hours and 45 minutes, I think. So be prepared for that. Uh, but um, I don't think there's a lot that I would have cut out of it. I mean, I think there's a few places you could have trimmed a little bit. But uh, but yeah, there's some amazing visual effects and things in this movie too, of course. Which a lot of it they've shown in the previews. You've seen some of the scenes, which I, I sometimes think they just, again, show too much... Uh, in previews occasionally. I mean, there are some scenes in this movie that I think if you had first seen them when you when you saw the movie, you would be blown away. Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah, a, a good movie, a, a good ending for, for this set of Batman films. It's been pretty well reported and widely, uh, you know, said in the news that both Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale are both kind of, this is it, this is their kind of final swan song uh, for a film for the Batman series. Because of the uh, the success of the Avengers, it, you know, DC is really scrambling and would love to put together a Justice League-type movie, bring some of their comic book characters, their different ones, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, who else, Green Lantern, perhaps The Flash, and so forth, into a, into a big film. But uh, they probably wouldn't be Batman or Christian Bale as Batman if they do that. So that means they either need to start a new Batman in a Justice League movie and or start a new Batman series with a new guy playing Batman sometime. Which, And they're, of course, doing a new Superman movie called Man of Steel. There is a very short teaser trailer that you'll see if you go see The Dark Knight Rises. And it's also that 
that Man of Steel teaser trailer is online now. It's a little shorter and not as in-depth in as the one that they played at Comic-Con, which was a little disappointing. I think the Comic-Con one, for the little blurry images I've seen on YouTube of it, looks like there was a lot more shown in that than the teaser that you get uh, in front of the Dark Knight. But it still gives you an idea of the movie and maybe the tone of it, and I think it looks pretty good. So we've got that next summer, Zack Snyder directing that new uh, Superman film. Of course, he did uh, movies like Sucker Punch and also uh, 300, uh, Watchmen too. I think he did the Watchmen movie. So, uh, so yeah, so I think he's got a certain style that should be interesting for a Superman film. But uh, that's it for that. I don't want to say too much more, but hopefully that will, uh, uh, you know, intrigue you guys to go see The Dark Knight Rises if you haven't. I, I think it's a movie definitely to go see out of the theater. There's a lot of crazy effects and cool things to see so check it out uh i'll come back with a couple last uh you know other comments and then we're gonna get into movie music hey this is larry nimichek and i too survived the con of wrath in fact we're even making a movie about it and you're listening to rico on treks and sci-fi all right let's talk a little bit about star trek the star trek movie due out in may 2013 been a lot of reports and rumors still about the film there's still no title no teaser no confirmation of who the main villain is nothing so comic-con came and went the uh you know the gary gary mitchell rumor and uh, i still think it's a rumor of gary mitchell being the main character main villain uh played by benedict cumberbatch i still feel is not true this uh there's a a pretty good article. I think I posted a link to it up on the main website, treksandsci-fi.com, with Roberto Orsi. Uh, this is what he's one of the writers uh, on this film. Worked on the last film too. He's actually also a producer, uh, and he had a little interview with um, trekmovie.com, where they tried to pin him down and talk about some of these rumors throwing around and. Uh, it, I'm going to read a little bit of, from this interview here. Uh, let's see. Uh, they talked about the footage possibly showing up at Comic-Con. That's not true. And, uh, you know, uh, Robert or Roberto Orsi, I always want to call him Robert. Roberto Orsi has, has said in the past, uh, Gary Mitchell is not part of this movie. And they asked him about that. Uh, they said, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were on a radio show and you confirmed that Benedict Cumberbatch is not playing Gary Mitchell in the sequel. Then last week, Carl Urban says he is playing Gary Mitchell. Both can't be true. Uh, Roberto Orsi responds, All I can say is that when I did the radio interview, I had just been doing 22 hours of press. Haha. <laughs> I just got off a flight from New Zealand. He is echoing and, and joking about what Carl Urban said. And Trek Movie says, Nice callback, but, you are, uh, but you, are you sticking with your original comment? It isn't Gary Mitchell. Roberto Orsi says, I would say that I never lie. While Carl tests all those hypospray props on himself, laughs. Okay, so that pretty much discounts that it's Gary Mitchell. Uh, then the other interesting part about this uh, this interview here that I... Uh, they basically ask uh, Mr. Orsi about, of the characters in the movie, which one would be Star Trek canon? In other words, a character that's been played before by someone else in a previous TV show or movie. Or who would be a totally new type of character, never seen before? So this is very interesting. And Roberto says, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go along and I'll play with that. Because he says he doesn't want to reveal too much. So Trek Movie says, okay, let's start with actress Alice Eve. Canon or new? Roberto Orsi says, canon. 
which is surprising because I thought in the past they had said she's a new character. So, so Alice Eve, the blonde actress that's in this movie, uh, is a, a canon character. Noel Clark, uh, new, uh, Roberta Orsi says. I, I assume that goes also for Nazine Contractor, who plays his wife. Yes, new. Peter Weller is a new character. Joseph Gatt, new. Okay, the big one, Trek Movie says. How about Benedict Cumberbatch? Roberto Orsi says canon. Okay, so the, he is telling us that the the main villain, the, the bad guy of the movie, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is a character we've seen before, is basically what he's saying. Now, you have to put this in, in the context of a few other things. First, first comment or first context is he's, he's pretty much denied it's Gary Mitchell, so that's off the table. Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty in the films, has said uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is not playing Khan. Now, I, I'm having a hard time understanding those two things because I thought those two characters would be pretty much top of the list of, of who they would have gone with, especially Khan, uh, back when it was going to be Benicio Del Toro playing uh, the main villain when they were going after him as the main actor uh, for the villain. It was pretty obvious, you know, he's Hispanic origin, so is Khan or, or Indian, whatever you want to call it, but he should be, he would have fit that character. Now, Roberto Orsi, the writer here and one of the producers, is saying that Benedict Cumberbatch is playing a canon character. Hmm. Well, who is it going to be? I don't know. I still think it's going to be sort of Khan. I think when Simon Pegg said it's not Khan, I think he means the Khan that we know in terms of Ricardo Montalban. Maybe it's, uh, you know, instead of Khan Nudian Singh, which was his full name in, in Trek, maybe it's, uh, you know, Johnson Khan or, or Smith Khan or Khan Smith or something like that. They've slightly changed his character, but I still feel it's going to be a, a genetically engineered person. I, 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 I've really felt that for a while, especially since we back when we saw that footage of him fighting Spock and, and stuff. So so we'll see. Who knows what, we'll, what, what this will all work out to be. I suppose it could still be Gary Mitchell. They could, all, they could just be messing with us completely. I, I don't know. You know, it looks like Benedict Cumberbatch in some of the images that were out there, he's wearing a, uh, a Starfleet uniform. But if you remember Khan in the original series episode Space Seed, and so, of course, did Gary Mitchell, they both ended up in uniforms too. And keep in mind through all of this, this is an alternate uh, universe, a completely alternate universe, not a rebooted, not, a, not an alternate like timeline exactly. It, this is a different universe. Same type of characters and people in you know there, but things are changed you know Vulcan got blown up in the last movie spoiler oh so anyway we're gonna see what happens with all this I I'm getting kind of and I know other people are getting a little frustrated and tired of hearing about all this rumor mill stuff I, I had really thought comic-con was gonna give us some news I was very surprised that they let that one pass without anything coming out officially about the movie so anyway uh that's uh all I've got to say about that let us get on to the main topic which is movie music now I uh, have for a long time collected a lot of, of CD soundtracks. Uh, I collected albums back in the day, and now I'm basically buying things digitally. So even though the medium or the media you know, type has changed, I'm still a huge fan of movie soundtracks. They make up a large part of my music library, probably three quarters of it, truthfully. Maybe, uh, maybe not three quarters, maybe two thirds of my uh, music, uh, you know, uh, library is, is that but I wanted to select maybe maybe five or six different little uh, 
sort of music uh, from different movies that I've enjoyed the movies, I've enjoyed the music, and things that I thought were kind of very well done. And, uh, well, let me start with this first piece, which is from a movie series that just ended not too long back, a series of eight films that you all know. And I'm going to play, I think, a piece of music that's just, it's not quite as well known, but this is from, I believe, yes, it's from the fourth movie in the series. And listen to this. I'll be back to talk about it. Well, you probably recognize that eventually. That is from one of the Harry Potter movies. That is actually from the fourth Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, a music composed by Patrick Doyle. Uh, What some people may not realize is John Williams uh, started off with the first three films. He did uh, The Philosopher's Stone, uh, Chamber of Secrets, and Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, He composed and conducted those and some of them were orchestrated by other people like a guy named Conrad Pope, uh, William Ross, uh, Eddie Karam. So he started out, John Williams started out with this series of uh, music for these great films uh, and set the tone, I think, for them. Uh, But then they brought in some other people to work on some of the other movies. Uh, Again, Patrick Doyle, who I think does a really good job with The Goblet of Fire, which you heard that that piece uh, that you heard there is called the name of the that track is called the story continues, and so he worked on the Goblet of Fire, and in order of uh, the next film, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, a Nicholas Hopper stepped in. He actually did that film and the Half Blood Prince, and then for the finale for the last two films, the Deathly Hallows Part One and Part Two. They brought in a guy named uh, Alexander. I'll see if I can say his guy's name right. Alexandre Desplat. Desplat. Uh, sorry about that. And it was also orchestrated by Conrad Pope. So, uh, so they they brought in some variety, but I think that the definitely the tone of the music uh, was set by John Williams at the beginning, and it's a very orchest- orchestrated, orchestrical. <laughs> It, you know, it, it has that, to me, I give it a call, I call it, I simply call it kind of have that that very um, Star Wars quality of music. It's very, you know, it uses a full orchestra when they record it. Uh, I'm not at all, by the way, let's just state it, that uh, I'm not a, a movie 
are a music expert by any means. I know a little bit, enough to, as they say, to get you into trouble, but uh, but I also know that these movies, you know, they use a full score, a full soundtrack, a full orchestra when they record, so so they have a, a, a nice feel, I think, to them, and those are usually the kinds of movie soundtracks and things that I uh, very much favor. I think it started with Star Wars when I first bought the album that came out with the first movie and how much I, I loved so much how the different themes for the different characters blended with that movie and that idea of using that kind of uh, music system I know that wasn't you know something completely new and unique with Star Wars but it was probably for me growing up when I was first exposed to that kind of idea and it really stuck with me so I kind of respond to those kinds of soundtracks and those kinds of movie scores where they do that kind of thing. I think I'm going to play another track for you here. Uh, see if you can, as you're listening to this, if you guys are uh, experts at Harry Potter music from the film, see if you can guess which which track, or not just the track, but maybe which movie this is from, and then I'll come back and tell you which it is, and then we'll go on to another film. Yeah, that's probably, uh, it may be fairly recognizable because it's fairly recent. That's from the, the second Deathly Hallows movie. It's a track uh, on there. I think it's track nine. Yeah, it's nine. And it is uh, called Statues. That would be near the, you know, when the f battle in Hogwarts is all starting to happen. Again, that's by the, composed and conducted by Alexandre Desplat uh, there. 
screwed up his name, I'm sure, again. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, let's move on to another um, a set of uh, movie music soundtracks and so forth. Another, uh, A lot of what I'm going to cover today because I think they become pretty popular and were used in more than one movie, but I think a lot of the, the, the tracks and, and music that I'm going to cover were uh, from series movies, movies that, that ended up being more than one, uh, you know, a group of films. I'm probably going to throw in a, a couple here, too, that are from single movies as well, but uh, the majority will be from uh, series movies, I think, just because they, I th- for me, they have a pretty big impact, and, and you know, the ones I'm going to play, at least, I've enjoyed a lot. Uh, Harry Potter, I already miss seeing those movies. I already miss being able to read a new book every few years. And uh, maybe J.K. Rowling will return at, at some point in time to that series. I It would very much surprise me if she doesn't. I, I, I really feel that it will happen at some point in time. Just as George Lucas came out of, you know, the, the closet and cobwebs. Ooh, that didn't sound right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what, about 15 years after uh, uh, Return of the Jedi? So uh, who knows? Ten to fifteen years from now, we may be getting more Harry Potter. Just, just a hope, hope, a hopeful guess. All right, here we go with some more music from another series of films that I, I think is just fantastic, and uh, this should be maybe even more immediately recognizable. I think.
Yes, everyone should have probably just about recognized that. That is, of course, from the Lord of the Rings uh, films. That is from the first one, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, the track is called Concerning Hobbits. Uh, the music for the trilogy uh, of the Lord of the Rings films was composed, orchestrated, conducted, and produced by a guy named Howard Shore. He wrote uh, just, you know, tons of music for all three of these films, some of which, uh, you know, you can hear on the various releases and soundtracks that are out there. They have released... Uh, a, multiple different versions of these original soundtracks, kind of one CD sets, and then they eventually, you know, they they got them into these really awesome, uh, they're called the complete recording sets. There's three discs, I believe. I think it's, yeah, three discs for the first two films, for The Fellowship and for Two Towers, and for The Return of the King, there are four discs, and those are awesome. They're a little pricey. I think they're, if I remember right, they, they run around 50 bucks for each set on uh, the uh, on Amazon. And, and maybe you can find them elsewhere for less. I don't know. Um, but uh, they are awesome. They, you know, there's pretty much every little bit of music in those. And I, again, to me, this music adds so much to these movies. It's, it's really... Um, you just you just can't picture the movies now without this music. The same with, I think, all awesome movie music. It becomes so much a part of the film that it, all you got to do is hear a little bit of music, and immediately you think about the movie. And I think that kind of uh, you know makes sense if it if it's a, a very fitting score and soundtrack. Um, you know, keep in mind one of the things back in in you know the silent movie days is they would have someone play music in the movie theater, play it on a big organ or something like that to kind of set the mood for the movie. So music sets, uh, you know, really, really sets the mood for, for films. And uh, Howard Shore, I think, does a, just a fantastic job with The Lord of the Rings. And, of course, I believe, I, I think, I haven't looked this up. I'll have to look it up as I play the next movie for you. But I'm, I'm sure he's back to do the Hobbit mu movie, Hobbit movies, uh, the two of them that are coming out. I'm sure he's back for those. I, I would I would really be shocked if that's anything anything different unless there's some kind of conflict or uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now as I'm talking to you guys to see if uh, I'll have to look it up. I can't quite find it here right off the bat, but I'll, I will. I'm sure he's back for the Hobbits. All right, let's go off to another um, film uh, series, something a little bit probably, well, the you know, the, uh, the Harry Potter movies just ended. Lord of the Rings has been a few years since those were out. But but anyway, I thought this would be an appropriate one to play for um, this week. Uh, and uh, here's a little music from uh, our another series of films.
Yeah, that of course, a uh, bit of music is from the Batman film series. That is from, actually, that track there was from Batman Begins uh, from back in 2005. Uh, the music for these movies, uh, Hans Zimmer, uh, who is pretty recognizable to uh, geeks out there for doing lots of cool soundtracks over the years. Actually, he's working on Man of Steel for next uh, summer right now. But anyway, uh, Hans Zimmer and uh, for this movie, for Batman Begins, James Newton Howard, both of them worked together composing the music for this film. Also worked, they both worked on The Dark Knight. I think it's just Hans Zimmer for The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, so, uh, you know, really great music. Fits, fits the mood of these movies so well. I think fits the character of Batman well. You know, he's kind of this lowly, vigilante, dark knight, uh, you know, and and it's it's very kind of epic and, you know, somewhat warlike, you know, in some places, the, the but not really. I mean, it is sort of that way, you know, Batman's, uh, you know, fighting a war against crime and corruption for Gotham City, so... I, I just think it fits the mood. And one of the interesting things about the soundtrack for Batman Begins, if you ever pick it up and look at it, and, and the names for the tracks, they actually named them after different, uh, different uh, genie, gen sorry, sorry, I'm not a biologist. I'm a chemist, darn it. Uh, genara, I think that is how you would say it, uh, different uh, genuses of bats out there. Like, and I'll screw up these names. Uh, Vespertillo uh, is the first one. Epitasicus. <laughs> I can do this first one, or the third one, I think I can do. Myotis. Uh, Barbastella for four. Artibas for five. Oh, one of the other interesting things about the soundtrack here is tracks uh, four through nine the first letters of the the genuses of the bats that they put in there spell out batman it, it's pretty cool uh, idea so they have all these sort of biological uh, genus names for the soundtrack titles for this uh, for batman begins but anyway uh it, it's it's a great soundtrack another great series of a bit of music that really fits the films very well. And uh, as we move on, let's go to another uh, group of films that I enjoy. And I this is sort of a, I think it's a it's it's fun music too. It's in, it's sort of a little bit of a different vein, but I, I very much enjoy it as well uh, as I do all the stuff I'm going to play today on the show. I'm not going to play music I don't enjoy from films, uh, although there aren't very many of those actually. I, I usually for the films that I enjoy, I, I tend to usually enjoy the music to them. Anyway, here's another uh, movie soundtrack piece from another series of films that's uh, pretty cool from recent times.
Yeah, that's another uh, a pretty familiar piece, I'm sure. Also, uh, music. Uh, this one is Pirates of the Caribbean music uh, from the first film, uh, The Curse of the Black Pearl. From uh, That movie was out in, uh, back in 2003. Wow. And, uh, of course, it spawned uh, three other sequels, so there's four movies in this series. Hans Zimmer worked on the music for all the movies. Uh, the, uh, the addition to that, though, is Klaus, Klaus, Klaus. Klaus Badelt, he's a German composer also. He worked on, um, he helped out in this first film's music on The Curse of the Black Pearl, but I don't think he helped out on the other three. I, I see just uh, Hans Zimmer credited for those. But uh, the, a very, again, kind of epic and seaworthy and, and uh, you know, swashbuckling kind of score to these movies. And I, I love that that kind of sound. In uh, just you know the you know Captain Jack and Johnny Depp and uh, fun movies. I think they've dwindled the movies themselves in quality as they've gone on. Uh, I've enjoyed parts of the last movies they've done. The first two I really enjoyed quite a bit. The the, the second two uh, just not quite as much. But the music is still uh, wonderful and and I, I greatly enjoy it. So uh, let's go on to another uh, sort of. I think this is sort of a, a score. I seem to have a sort of a bit of a theme today in, in in the show that I didn't really completely expect, but maybe it just shows the kind of music that I've uh, enjoyed. Uh, but um, anyway, this is from another series of films, uh, and I think you'll probably recognize this music too. So listen to this.
Okay, that uh, probably has a similar tone to some of the uh, previous couple pieces I've played, uh, partly uh, because uh, the guy that worked on this, Steve uh, Jablonski, he's an American composer. He does film, t TV, and video game music. But he, he also works with uh, Hans Zimmer, who worked on this, which was a piece from Michael Bay's 2007 Transformers film, the score was produced and additional music also provided by Hans Zimmer. Same thing for Revenge of the Fallen from a couple of years ago. That Transformers, uh, the sequel music. And also uh, just last year's uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon, also score produced by Hans Zimmer. So Hans Zimmer is uh, is got a pretty good hand on top of the, these two. But uh, don't uh, you know discount Steve's uh, work as well. You know it's always hard when there is combined you know people working on uh, a soundtrack or music to just to know exactly you know which little bit each of them did, how much that you know one did over the other. I think Steve uh, worked on a lot of this, especially in the early films, and Hans helped out where he could, uh, you know. But it's it's again, who 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 did you know? Was it sixty percent Steve and forty percent uh, Hans or, or whatever? I don't know, but I like the music, so I played it. All right, let's go off to uh, let's do something. Let's do a, a music from just a movie that's um, uh, pretty recent, I think. So uh, listen to this. That is uh, a piece, I don't know if you recognize it, and maybe you've seen the film, maybe you haven't, but uh, this is from the amazing Spider-Man soundtrack. Uh, just out this summer, of course, just the last few weeks, the uh, music is uh, done by James Horner, and uh, that uh, piece that you heard there is from the track on the, on the CD called The Becoming Spider-Man. James Horner, the composer of this music, should be familiar to 
most of you listening to uh, the podcast. He, of course, did the, the classic score to, to many uh, genre films, favorites of ours. You know, I think he worked on Avatar, but the biggie, of course, that he worked on that all of us know is The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> so he's, uh, you know, he's got uh, quite a, a history of soundtracks. I think he also did things uh, like Titanic even, and, he, you know, he's been in the business for a long time. I, I was very, very pleased and happy with this score. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, love this movie, and I think it really works well. And the other thing, too, that I used to worry and, and have trouble with James Horner occasionally was he, he tended to use some music that, that was in previous films that you'd, you'd go, huh, that seems very much like, especially around the time of The Wrath of Khan came out. But, um, but anyway, I, I really enjoy this bit uh, and this soundtrack. Yeah, so uh, so that's good music as well. I, again, James Horner, great stuff. Uh, and just so people don't real just think that I only like these musical scores with with no, um, you know, well, some, here's something a little different. Let's just put it this way: this is also from a single movie, although it is a, a sequel to another movie from very long ago. But this movie came out in uh, December of 2010, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy this uh, quite a bit, and here's some music a little different uh, than the other uh, tracks I've been playing today. Yeah, that is uh, the from the group Daft Punk that is, that worked on some of the music for uh, the Tron Legacy uh, movie uh, from Disney that was a follow-up to Tron from the 80s. Uh, really cool music, very electronic, of course, sounding, and fits the mood and, and what they do in the movie quite a bit. I, I very much enjoy that, that track and, and, and sound that they put into that movie, so... 
that uh, I like as well as a lot of the other stuff that I played. And I, I could play tons and tons more. I'm going to kind of wind this down a little bit, though. But we do have a, co a comment, a comment, uh, I was going to say. We have an audio comment from a listener. I think this is from Chris. So let's uh, listen to what he has to say about the movie music and, and soundtracks and things. Hey Rico, this is Chris Clemente, Chris L. on the forums. You're talking about movie scores, recent ones, and movie scores are one of my favorite things. I, uh, I absolutely love them. It's probably my most downloaded thing on iTunes more than rock or anything is uh, movie scores. Um, this year, I really uh, liked Prometheus. It was a lot, it was very different from what I expected. The opening music, uh, which is a track life, uh, is just, it's just very great. Kind of has a feel of wonder to it, which you wouldn't necessarily associate with something in the alien universe. Um, I really enjoyed, I liked the Spider-Man music by James Horner. Some, I saw people said the theme wasn't very good. I thought the theme was great. I thought it was nice. And especially at the end of the movie, I thought it was well done. I thought it was very heroic. I, I dug it. No problem there. And I just got back from seeing uh, The Dark Knight Rises and Hans Zimmer. And I'm pretty sure James Newton Howard is still doing it. But it's just, it's just a great theme. I wasn't a big fan of it at first. Uh, in Batman Begins, I didn't think it was Batman-ish, but now I really like it, and it's, it really kind of pumps you up and gets you going, especially when that, that main uh, Batman theme comes into play. But as a, as a child of the John Williams era, and I was brought up on, on Star Wars scores and Indiana Jones and that era, uh, the closest thing in the last decade or so that really even comes close is Lord of the Rings by Howard Shore ton of themes in there for, for the cities and the characters it's just it's just a really if you buy if you have the extended versions which you should they're really really awesome I mean every bit of music from those movies and I, I can't wait I can't I absolutely cannot wait until the Hobbit comes out and see what he puts together for that also in the last decade or so I've really been into uh, sorry, TV music has really come far, especially uh, Battlestar Galactica, those uh, four sets by uh, Bear McCreary. Some of the best, I mean, that music could be in a movie. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, certainly one of my most listened to soundtracks lately. And I also, uh, one of my also, I had to go and I looked through my iTunes and see what have I listened to the most. And Children of Dune, which is uh, was a miniseries about 10 years ago now, I guess. It was done by Brian Tyler, and it's got some really, really great music on it. Um, there's a vocal track called Inama Nushif, I believe. That is, it's just wonderful. Anyway, looking forward to hearing the podcast, Rico, and uh, thanks for letting me comment. Bye. Well, thanks very much, Chris. Uh, loved, uh, and you know what? I, I hadn't even listened to your uh, your comments. I, I, I tend to do this when I do a podcast. I don't usually listen to the comments uh, much ahead of time. And I just had been recording today's show. And then you, uh, and I just listened to your comments, obviously, as I played it for the podcast. And it fits in so well with what I just covered. I, I, I It's just kind of amazing. I mean, you mentioned a few things that I did. Uh, the Howard Shore, Lord of the Rings stuff. 
the uh, and and of course the amazing Spider-Man. You said you really enjoyed James Horner's work on that, and I agree completely. Like I said, I think it's a great bit of music, and uh, and I'm glad you mentioned some of the TV stuff too. I didn't get a chance. I I, I would as thinking of slipping a few TV things in here, but I wanted to keep it just more towards movies. But uh, yeah, the the Bear McCreary stuff. He's he's really popping up on a lot of. Uh, uh, shows and things these days too so uh, I think he's definitely an up-and-comer uh, I would love to see him get a, a maybe he's already done it maybe I just don't realize it but I'd love to see him do a, a big time like sci-fi or fantasy film or something sometime too so uh, and the Hobbit you know coming with more Howard Shore just just great stuff and Prometheus yeah I agree I really enjoyed the score for that too it it was it it was different and it fit the movie well. So thanks again so much, Chris. And uh, Chris is going to be here with Brian next week uh, to cover uh, Dune. So and he mentions mentioned some music from that miniseries, Children of Dune, as well. So uh, yeah, it sounds like we have pretty similar tastes, and and we both love uh, soundtracks and scores and and music from uh, TV and movies. And I just think it adds so much to the you know the experience of it all and and it's just so important and and I and I just you know like it so much and I love you know I, I have a job that allows me to listen a lot of times to music on my iPod during the day while I'm doing work in the lab and things and and I love to just listen to pop on a soundtrack and listen to it while I'm while I'm doing um work because it just brings you right back to the movie and it brings those feelings uh, you know forth and and it just kind of brings you back to that time of your life. Maybe it's a movie you saw five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And and it's just a great thing. Uh, you know, one of the soundtracks I listen to a lot, which is more just music and uh, songs, I should say, is the Back to the Future soundtrack. I listen to that a ton. It's probably one of my most played things. And, and I listen to, of course, a lot of Trek music and Star Wars music, which I didn't talk too much because we cover that a lot on the podcast week after week. And, and Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and, and these other scores that I played for you too. Just just so much fun to listen to. Great. Uh, it, it, I consider it, I don't want to, I, I like to call it sort of background music in a way. It's It's, you know, it's great to just play while you're doing things, you know, working around the house or, or at work. It's nothing, you know, overpowering that you, you know, with vocals that, you know, some people might not like or whatever, uh, but uh, or whatever I'm trying to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Time to wrap up the podcast, I think, for the week. But uh, uh, if you'd like to comment, hey, I'm going to put a uh, post up like I've been doing on the Facebook page and a, a main uh, post on treksandsci-fi.com like I do with podcast notes. But if you guys, uh, you know, and this wasn't all-encompassing, it never is, it never can be on a podcast. Uh, but if you've got some favorite movie movie music, especially of the recent, you know, 10, 15 years past, and you'd like to mention it and, and maybe, t- you know, turn some people onto it, post a video uh, with the music or, or something like that, do that on Facebook or, or on the website or the forum or whatever you'd like. So, uh, I'd love to uh, hear what you guys uh, enjoy listening to as well. And I think that brings us pretty much to the end uh, to uh, today's podcast about movie music and other things and other subjects. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this. I did want to mention what's upcoming on the podcast in the next few weeks. I've got it up through early the first weekend of September. So uh, like I said earlier, next week you're going to have Dune with Chris and Brian covering that. Uh, and the week of, or the day of, the weekend of August 5th, let's say, I'm going to cover an Enterprise episode called Zero Hour, which is the finale for season three of that series. 
or not the well the last episode of season three i don't know if you call that a finale uh and on august 12th we're gonna have a new uh, set of guest hosts uh don ricardo and his son aaron are gonna cover uh the movie logan's run which should be a lot of fun looking forward to that quite a bit august 19th i'm gonna be covering the classic uh tv series the greatest american hero which I've mentioned a few times on the podcast over the years, but I've never given it and devoted a whole podcast to it. So I've, it's a favorite TV series of me, of mine, of me. <laughs> oh, definitely time to stop recording. So that'll be on the 19th. On August 26th, we're going to have uh, guest hosts Chris and Rick. Chris, you're becoming kind of like the a regular guest host. We're going to have to give you some kind of like guest hosty title you and rick moyer uh are going to be covering saga of a star world which is the the movie pilot of the original battlestar galactica that'll be on the 26th of august and the big thing coming up the big event on september the 2nd which will be the sunday before labor day labor day in the united states we are going to have the seventh anniversary yes seven years seventh anniversary show live uh via Ustream, probably again of Treks and Sci-Fi. And it's also going to coincidentally become or be Podcast 400. <laughs> oh my gosh. i got to end this show sometime. Maybe in a year or so. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, uh, that's going to be on September 2nd. So that's what's upcoming on the podcast. A few last things. If you ever want to contact the show, treksf at gmail.com is the best way. Love getting your comments in each week. Please check the upcoming schedule. If there's anything you want to comment on, send me a comment early. I'll hang on to it and play it on the upcoming shows or, or appropriate show. And also join our Facebook page or join our forum or both. If It, you know, it would be great to do both. And uh, that would be uh, a lot of fun to see you on there if you're not yet. Uh, donations to the podcast are always welcome. There's PayPal links on the main site or iTunes reviews are always great. And one last thing that I was going to mention earlier during the Trek talk, but tomorrow, depending on when you listen to this, on uh, tomorrow, July 23rd in the evening, in a lot of theaters in the United States, I think in Canada as well, although I think Canada's in a different date they're doing it, but they're going to do that special TNG season one dual episode airing in a movie theaters and along with some behind the scenes footage and stuff on what they're doing to make the blu-rays for tng so i'm going to go to tomorrow night to see that and i will try to report back uh, in a couple of weeks when i'm back on the podcast about that and of course on tuesday the blu-ray season one set comes out which has been reduced on uh, amazon.com uh, in cost because Best Buy's got it for sixty dollars now, so they reduced it down from it was about seventy nine. Now it's only fifty nine, so they dropped about twenty bucks off. So uh, get your sets ordered like I have, and and get it on Blu-ray because it's going to be fantastic. So from Trex and Sci-Fi, from Rico, from myself, whatever I'm trying to say. Hey, everyone, have a great couple of weeks. Uh, definitely check out the Dune Show next week. I'll see you in or talk to you in two weeks and. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some more great summer movies to talk about. We've got Total Recall still and that new Bourne movie, which isn't really exactly sci-fi, but, yeah, close. There's some things going on in that. We've But Total Recall looks looks really fun. So that's I think, is the first weekend of August for that one. Okay, everyone, take care. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Bye-bye.
Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Visit the website today at www.treksinsci-fi.com. Treks in Sci-Fi is a Rico Dosky production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved. Treks in Sci-Fi.